This podcast is brought to you by Uncle Ryan's Company. Uncle Ryan's Company. Biplane Productions. Biplane Productions. Hi, my name is HB. I'm an adventurer. <laughs> Hi, my name is Ryan, and I'm an adventurer. Today, I want to introduce you to one of the most influential adventurers in my life. HB is somewhere between a crazy uncle and a cool older brother. He's full of both wisdom and a bunch of crazy ideas. HB has been next to me during formative moments of my relationship, both with Rivers and with Jesus. And he has helped me connect those two, connect our shared heart for moving water with the heart of a moving God. HB was the one who introduced me to Psalm 104, 10 through 11, which says, you make springs pour in the ravines so streams gush down from the mountains. They provide water for all animals and the wild asses quench their thirst. Welcome to the Everyday Adventures podcast and my favorite wild ass, H.P. Atkinson. <laughs> <laughs> now, that, that verse is fitting for where we are. H.P., do you want to tell people where we are? We are at the confluence that forms the Big Otter River, one of my absolute favorite rivers, especially the, the upper part of it. And we are on the cow pasture. Nope. Uh, that's just Sheep Creek. There Sheep Creek, yeah. Stony Creek there. And Stony Creek that come to, together. So I'm facing upstream. Ryan's facing downstream. <laughs> and we literally have our chairs in the water. We have a chair sitting with all the electronics on it to keep them out of the water. Uh, this is the river. That is chapter 20 in my book, Scared to Life. Uh, it's the story about how God used lightning to save our lives. HB, you remember that night? What do you remember most about that oh, night? Oh, man. I remember we couldn't find a camp spot till well after dark. Oh, geez, and, yeah. and, and And we finally found a spot that was close to somebody's house and their dog was barking, but it was the, the rain was coming, so they didn't come out to run us off, thankfully. But we had too many people, <laughs> too much inexperience, and not enough light that night. Oh my. I've never experienced lightning like I experienced that night. Oh, that was. It went that, from utter black to white, back yep. to black. And I think that lightning was sitting on the other side of the river. I mean, it was the closest I think I've ever been to lightning yeah, in my life. It was, and, but, and, and the crashes of thunder. That saved our oh. life. I mean, it definitely, I don't know about saved our life. It's, it utterly changed our night because we learned the next morning when we woke up that if we had kept paddling, we would have all dumped at that ledge that was right after where we pulled oh, over. yeah, yeah. And so if the lightning hadn't chased us to the land, we'd all be swimming in the dark with our stuff floating down river in the dark. And was that right above the, the rapid I call uh, meat yeah. grinder? Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, you don't want to run that in the dark. <laughs> Up from Woo! Chuck's place now. We didn't know Chuck uh, at the time. Yeah. Uh, so th this is a good setup. As a whitewater guide and an avid canoe paddler, you've paddled into some dangerous situations some scary moments. Do any of those moments stand out to you as scarier than others? I mean, we've done some scary crap together. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you've done some big stuff that I haven't done. I'd say the upper big otter scares me every time I do it. I'm, I'm sorry, the the upper golly. Try to do it every, every year, every fall when they start their release. But that one, that one scares me. I, I, I told Ryan that I think it's a healthy thing to to have a funeral service for yourself every so often. And I do that before I go run the upper upper golly. 
and it, it it prioritizes things. It gets things straight. It lets you know that we are very temporary, very temporarily here. So, but what does yeah. that look? What is having a funeral? So, I mean, I agree with you, but how do you tease that out? Um. I mean, if I were gonna have a funeral service for myself and I got to plan it out, what would be said about where I'm, where I am at that moment? That's important to me. And the other thing is, what would be said about, about my life up until I died? What did I do? You know, did I spend my time frittering it away on some hobby or did I do something for the kingdom. Mm. Would people stand up and say, hey, I am here with Jesus in this part of my life because HB was part of my life mm. at this, you know. And and so if, if that could happen, then that's the important stuff. Am I doing that? If I am, I am. If I'm not, maybe I shouldn't be running to Upper Golly. You know, <laughs> maybe there's something I'd be near more the front of that line, do. by the way. Huh? I mean, I'd be near the front of that line. I mean, where I am with Jesus is yeah. a lot in part. Your your experience that you wrote about the swimmer that was <laughs> that that. Uh, I mean, I, I think that's this. I've been more scared in life a couple of times, but I think that's the most scared I've ever been in the water. So in 2006, to set it up, I'll let you take the story, but I'll set up the preview part. I had never done anything bigger than like a class four. I did the Yuckagani with some guys in my church in college or something, which is up in Pennsylvania. My brother and I went to New Zealand and we did our first class five rafting trip down there. And uh, we did a 21 foot or seven meter, whatever that is, 22, 23 feet drop in a raft over a wow. wall. It's the highest commercial, it's the highest waterfall that a commercial raft goes over. <laughs> it was it was incredible. It's, it's amazing. Uh, Anyway, we're down there, and the guy noticed our accent. She's like, where are you guys from? And, you know, from New Zealand. I was like, well, we're outside of Washington, D.C. And she's like, what are you doing here? You have the golly in your backyard, and you need to go home and run the golly. I was like, yes, ma'am, all right. <laughs> so I came home. I just met you like six months, maybe eight months before that, and you and Hutch invited me on the golly in 07, and that's when I became the swimmer. <laughs> <laughs> the almost drowner. Yeah, at that point in time, I was the worst uh, swimmer situation that Jimmy had had. He's had yeah. one worse now, but anyway. So then the next year, years like you got to go back. You got to you can't let the river win. And so I went back, and you came, and you knocked on my door. It was like midnight the night before. And you're like, I know you're not sleeping in there. Come outside. You remember this? You took me yeah. down to the lobby. You remember and, what you told we, me? Probably something along the lines of of. 100% chance you're going to die from something anyway. <laughs> so, That's not far off. So, you know, and if it's your time, then it's your time. So go into it with a yeehaw and a smile. I don't know. It's pretty close. You're like, if tomorrow's the day your number is called, do you want to go out with a story or you want to go out in a hospital bed? Yeah. And I said, I want to go out with a story. He's like, all right, I'll see you at 6 30 in the morning for breakfast. Have a good night. <laughs> that sounds about right. That sounds about right. That I don't know. I, I think the really big adventure stuff, the really big scary stuff, helps you put your life into perspective as it's happening and before it happens. Sometimes, I mean, 
when you get to Pillow Rock, which is highlight of my whole year, when you get to Pillow Rock, all of that prioritization, all of that has already been straightened out. You got your heart right and you can just let go. And it's just, it's a highlight because I've done the prep, the the prep work Hmm. inside my heart to get there, you know, and then Hmm. Which is interesting because a lot, I mean, you know this better than I do because of your years as a guide, you've seen more time on the river, but it seems like a lot of other people maybe who haven't had their funeral using your language, there's a lot of marijuana use, a lot of alcohol. I mean, we've both seen people who, even guides, who are incapacitated and that's how they dealt with whatever that mortality or whatever that is. Yeah, yeah, I've seen guys... (laughs) You've run you've run Goshen before, right? Lower Goshen. Um, uh uh-uh. uh Oh, I thought you ran it with this. So I ran Goshen one time. The Mari. Yeah, on the Mari. Yeah. But I didn't run the upper one where the kitchen is and Hematoma Rock and all that. That was really kitchen tech- and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's super technical up there. I'm not there yet. But just on the lower part, which is relatively safe. Like I've never had a scary situation on the lower Goshen section. And from the time we took our kayaks off the top of the Subarus and pickups and got them in the water, a dude had down two cans of beer to numb himself before we did it. And he was more talented than I was, more capable for sure. Yeah. But yeah, I see, we see that numbing. It's interesting that Jesus said, I came to give you life. Right. So of course we he's going to give you adventure. We become, I, for me, we become more alive because we get life into perspective. Other folks will numb that with alcohol, smoking, whatever, and and so I wish more people knew that. I remember the first time I went wing walking, which is obviously, I mean, that's as scary as whitewater, right? And I get <laughs> more, I'd say. <laughs> I get back on the ground. We landed on a grass strip. It was they didn't have a paved strip, so we landed on a grass strip. And my classmates had waited around for me. I was the last student in the class to go, and they're looking at me expecting like. What is he going to say? And I yelled out, I've never felt more alive. There you go. Yeah. But yeah, I got my house emotional, like relational. I made sure my last texts to my family were right. this. My, yeah. you know, like, um, it really changes how I Facebook or how I anything. Like this is my last email my client's going to get before I go do this. Or this is the last text my brother's going to get before I go do this. You know, mm-hmm. like, yeah. And Paul reminds us in the New Testament that... W- this is a very short deal, this whole life thing, thing we call life. And, and you know, I'm 56 and you're, what, in your 40s? And, yeah, 43. And it's going fast. It's going really fast. And I'm older than you were when I met you, which blows my mind. <laughs> We've been yeah. friends for 15 yeah. years. Golly. years older than me. Uh, we just passed. And when I met you, I'm going, that kid, you know, kid this and kid that. But, yeah, I was 28. But I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have trusted me with a boat either. We're reminded that this is a very short period of time, this thing we call human life. And there's eternity waiting. And this, at least part of this, can be looked at as a test. Mm. And... Uh, what are, am I passing, you know? So stopping frequently and getting it straight. So, so how many times uh, a year do you, would you say you do that inventory, that funeral? Cause you do it, I think more than me in the river. I do it more different 
things. Yeah, yeah. But you're using a river to do that. How often do you think you do that? I would say three, four times a year. And it does. it's not necessarily a, a river. I was okay. trying to move a shed by myself. And the shed weighs 1,200 pounds. I've got the thing jacked up and all out of whack. And I'm underneath the shed. I know that if that thing shifts the wrong way, I'm, it's over. So I'm taking an inventory. You know, I'm, I'm like, is life right before I crawl underneath this thing? You know? So how do you answer so the question? Uh, and everybody answers it differently then. I wasn't planning to ask you this, but since you brought that up, like some people say, you're taking chances you don't need to take. Right? So you could have asked me to come over to help you with the shed. You could have asked oh, any yeah. number of people. So, but not, I'm not criticizing that. We've all done, I've done stupid stuff too, pushing a car out by myself or whatever. Yeah. Um, how do you differentiate between something that's foolish and something that's courageous and brave? For me, it's, it's usually a murky line. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, I don't know that, sometimes those two are tied together. Uh, I think for me, there, when, when life goes too long in a straight line, and, and everything feels safe. It's probably not, but it feels safe. And, and, it, and it feels like there's no danger. There's no adrenaline. There's no, I'll go find something stupid to do. And, and, and it, I need it. And, and I, I, maybe it's because God put testosterone in us. Sometimes <laughs> I just blame it on that. I, I don't know. I can't because a lot of stuff I do, I do with women who are better at it than me. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, yeah, that's. I guess so, but but sometimes I just do something stupid, you know, hanging out a window, doing something, you know, something dangerous in a construction project at the shop or whatever, just just because I need that. I, I, I need that sense of adventure, a sense of accomplishment, or, or maybe I just like the taste of adrenaline in the back of my throat. I don't know what it is. It's but, funny that you said that, so... Uh, I have a working definition for adventure that I bring up every episode just okay. for this podcast is one is it usually includes some, a fear that you have to overcome, uh, a challenge that you have to lean into, whether it's physical, emotional, whatever. And then there's like a flow, like once you're in it, like once you get out on the wing of the plane, you're there. Yeah. Once you've dropped into the rapid, you're there. There's and then no turning back. Yeah. Instinct takes over or whatever takes over. And then at the end, it's, Either or both of these, you either get euphoria or a sense of accomplishment or both. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And then, I mean, I think about when Hutch saved my life on the lower golly. Yeah. And, I mean, that was frenetic and, I mean, it's all a blur until we got done. The hooting and hollering, I still remember. The celebra- the rest of that day, we could have run through brick wall. We yeah. all thought we were in- <laughs> invincible. <laughs> Well, I thought initially that you were going to throw up, and I didn't want you throwing up in the raft. But I forgot. Yeah. So that leads to a wisdom question. Like, I know there has been times this happened. I've not been there for them, but I'm sure. Has there ever been a time when you looked at a river or a section river and went, "Nah, that one's that one's not." I've had the funeral and I'm good, but not that good. Like, I don't need to do that. Well, yeah, I mean, every human's going to have their limitations. You're going to say, I can do X when really there's Y beyond that that somebody else is doing and Z beyond Y. And so, you know, but what am I limited to? And maybe my limit is X. And so 
if I go push myself out to X and maybe beyond X a little bit, that's what I needed to do. I don't care to beat the guy that's that or girl that's that's at Y. So X and then Y, I don't have to go to Y to feel better about myself. I, I'm 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 not doing it for a competition. I'm not doing it for I just need that you need to push your own line. I need to get out of I, I need to reprioritize things and and I, I think at the end you said that there's there's a in, in your working definition for adventure, there's euphoria and there's a sense of accomplishment. Or for both. me, yeah. yeah. But for me, it's it, there's one more thing beyond that. All right. And that is the prep work inside me, the 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 inventory that I've taken, the the prioritization, the the relook at my life before I do something dangerous where I could kill myself, uh, then at the back end of it, I've done it. And yeah, there, you know, I, I might feel good and I love the adrenaline and all that stuff, but really, maybe the important stuff happened before I did it huh. anyway. You see what I'm saying? And so doing it and and the sense of, and then the yeehaw and all that stuff. Hmm. that's a reward for having done the hard stuff, the hard look, get in the mirror and go, who am I? Am I doing the right thing? Does my wife think I'm a happy person to be dealing with every day? Am I a butthole? <laughs> Have I been good to my children? You know, am I doing the right thing with what God gave me? You know, all those questions you ask them all. And then if your answers are right, then you go do your adventure thing. Have you ever had a time when the answers are wrong and so you don't go do it? There's been a time or two that I went, you know what? I shouldn't be doing this. Hmm. I shouldn't be doing this. My life is not right at this moment. And I shouldn't be wherever, whatever kind of stupid place I've put myself in. So, so. for you, man, I did not know where we are going here, but I love this. So, And this is so true of me. I'm just now... This is why I got to hang out with you more, H. That what you're saying is the adventure, river or otherwise, is communion for you. You've got to get right yeah. before you partake in communion. You know, like if you've got something to get somebody yeah. else. Yeah, because communion is defined the same way. If you've got something wrong in your life, then yeah. So yeah, I guess <laughs> I never looked at it that way, but in a little bit of a way, you know, Santa Elena Canyon. Oh. Now we've done that and I feel safe about it now. I don't feel like my, my life is on the line, but the first time I did it, I'm going, <laughs> we're, we're risking yeah, we are. not getting back before dark. We're risking a flash flood. We're, we're risking, uh, you know, we're going into Mexico and, and, and we're risking drug people. You know, there's a lot of risk. And so, you know, I'm prioritizing now. I don't feel it's it's as bad you know I, I feel safer about it having done it a few times but uh, yeah I'd I mean but, you could still get shot yeah but I'd love to see one of those drug guys try to get in there <laughs> yeah but I mean that place you look at it on a map and it is so far from anywhere that it's just anyway oh uh, that uh that documentary about the wall yeah 
Like, there, there's no place to put a wall down there, and you don't need one in San Elena. Yeah, no, duh. It's already 1,600 feet tall. Yeah. I, I don't, I mean, I get the wall, but I don't get the wall through Big Bend National Park. Hello. I mean, you, that's. Uh, well, and most of it. There, I mean, all you get closer to El Paso, yeah. but it's not just Big Bend. I mean, that whole section from, like, Laredo down, all the way down past where you guys canoed. I haven't even gone down there, but. Yeah. Oh, that section. You got 1,200-foot canyons. Yeah. Is it, there's no reason for a wall there. You put a 43-foot wall on top of that. <laughs> <laughs> on top of it. <laughs> if you're enjoying this conversation, you might enjoy the story of the time HB saved me from massive regret. You can read the short blog posts over at explorance.org slash bungeecord. Don't worry about remembering that link. It'll be in the show notes. If you'd like to receive my post about physical adventures and spiritual explorations in your email inbox, you can subscribe at the bottom of any page on my blog. I also announce them in my Insta stories under the RyePlane Instagram account. That's R-Y-P-L-A-N-E. I hope my stories inspire you to chase your own adventures and explore the fascinating corners of your world. Don't you just love HB? <laughs> now you know why he is mentioned in so many stories in my book. This crazy dude has invited me into some hair-raising moments. We've laughed together until our stomachs hurt. We've cried with each other. We've jumped into a frigid Rio Grande River on New Year's Day. Even if you're not interested in my book for my stories, it's worth the price of purchase to read about HB. <laughs> Plus, every penny of my author proceeds support Love Does, an organization educating children in conflict zones. Scared to Life is available in paperback at online retailers. You can find the audiobook version at Audible, iTunes, and the Google Play Store. And yes, I'm the narrator. <laughs> if you prefer to read books on a phone, tablet, or e-reader, you'll find Scared to Life in the Kindle Store and on Kindle Unlimited. So this is an interesting question. Your answers are going to be different than mine. Have you ever felt supernaturally rescued or some sort of sovereign intervention out in the water? Oh, my. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. More than once. Uh, what comes to mind immediately is Penitentiary Shoals Rapid. And it's either in Virginia or North Carolina. It's right there along the line on the New River, uh, way up on the New River. Uh, so Andrew and Hutch and I were paddling that. And we knew it was coming class three, long class three rapid. And that morning I knew it was coming for miles. So I got away from, those guys were in the same boat, 17 foot boat, and I was in my 16 footer by myself. And I got away from them and I was just praying, praying, turning to singing. And I was making up this song, me and God, and I'm sure he was laughing out loud at this. <laughs> cheesy song I was making up about him and how he you know and how he loves me and guides my life and da 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 and I was saying God why why do you put it in me to come out here and do this stupid stuff <laughs> and here I am miles from any help way out in in the wilderness penitentiary shoals rapid this big long rapid and I'm going and he said I made you to do it. I'm with you. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. You know, and so 
when he starts talking back and, and reminding me of his promises, I get a lot more confident. But penitentiary shows, I told the guys, I'll go first and I will, I will, you watch where I'm pointing and y'all pay attention and, you know, because I'll be able to see it from down at the bottom as I go through. So I'll go first. So I'm up at the top and, and a whole lot of the river drops in, dropped into this little hole and there was a rock just beyond the hole and a little outlet off to the right of that rock. And I drop into the hole in my canoe and I'm going, that's it. My boat is going to be on that rock. All this water coming in from left. I'm flipped. I'm swimming a class three. And I, I mean, you just instantly see that this is what's going to happen, you know? And all of a sudden I felt my boat turn. I didn't turn it. I did not turn it. I felt my boat twist where it should have been sucked into where the, where the water was dropping in beside it. It should have sucked to the left. It turned to the right and the nose of it went out beyond that rock and I was free of it in less than two seconds. And I went, that wasn't me. Mm. That wasn't me. Some angel somewhere kicked that thing sideways. Something happened. It's something supernatural, which I, I can't define today. But one day I'm going to go back and, and watch a video watch tape of the, the spiritual end of it, what's yeah, happening. Yeah. And yeah, and I can't wait. And then immediately out of that, there was a Propel bottle. Propel was, I don't even know if yeah, it's it still like made. Yeah, water or whatever. Yeah, life water or whatever it is. It was a beat up, kind of browned out Propel bottle. And I heard God say, follow the Propel bottle. And I went, okay. And Penitentiary Shoals is a long series of, of ledges. It's just weird because New River comes through the Appalachian Mountains. And when it does, it just washes down these ledges. So it's just this long series of ledge after ledge after ledge. And that propel bottle went across each one of those ledges exactly where I was supposed to go across. And I'm paddling and I'm watching and I'm dropping everywhere that propel bottle went. <laughs> and I got to the bottom and I went, I need to stay safe here and an eddy at the bottom for, for Andrew and Hutch. But... I want that propel bottle. <laughs> <laughs> I want it. I'm taking it home. That's going on my wall, you know? Well, by the time I got eddied out and those guys didn't follow me and got way too far left and all the water came crunching in on the left side and they mashed that boat, beautiful 17-foot white canoe hmm. with wood gunnels, oh. and it was just beautiful craft. They hit that thing against the rock and snapped the the gunnel no way and oh yeah it was a bad deal and and i think hutch swam and andrew stayed in it or i can't remember but it was a pretty bad deal by the time they got to the bottom of it it was a it was a bad experience for them and i was down there at the at the eddy fishing them out you know and, and all that but i lost that propel bottle i'm convinced when i get to the other side <laughs> you're gonna get to you know how a craftsman house will have built-ins? Yeah. You know? There will be a built-in on one of the walls, and there will be a... I'm, I'm convinced of it. Like the thumbprint on the back of your Toyota? The... What would you call that? The angel's thumbprint? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Let, grab that grab that truck and Yeah, tell that story. Out. That was a good one. Oh, man. Uh, so I'm going home to see my folks up in West Virginia. Uh, 
for you guys that want to look it up, it's Ravenswood, West Virginia. Uh, so I'm going across 64, 460, whatever. I'm getting on I-77 going north, West Virginia Turnpike. And uh, so I'm, I'm tired. I'm sleepy. I shouldn't be driving. And I'm, I'm pushing myself. And I remember a couple of dudes pulled up beside me and they blow, my, blow their horn. And then they pull in front of me. And they were like, come along and follow us, you know? Because it was like then, snowing or something, right? Or raining or something? Because when you lost the tail of the truck, it was sliding. Yeah, that, you know what? That was a different trip. Those guys, they guided me up through there, and, and they were guides. And, and I'm convinced that, again, something spiritual happened there. I don't know what, but when I got to the other end of the turnpike, I was in Charleston, and it was like I was awake then. But it was this dream, this weird thing happened. Anyway, a couple of guys in a white truck. But, yeah, I slid that. I had the kids with me. You did. I had the kids with me, and they were little, and they were both sleeping. And I put that that truck sideways, and I thought, "This is it, this is it. I'm I'm rolling this truck, and it's 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 over." And I remember the truck straightened itself back out. Something supernatural happened, and later, you felt night, like a thump. I remember that you were like, the, "What the?" Yeah, that night or the next day, there was a little dent, and I'm convinced that the angels pushed it in there. Because so, it yeah. was on, it wasn't on the guardrail side of the truck, it yeah. was on the inside of the, so it wouldn't have hit the guardrail. Yeah, like it, something grabbed it, <laughs> and I'm telling you that, that I think I don't I don't want to get too off subject, but I think just talking about spiritual stuff, there's more going on around us than what we can physically see. Hmm. That that that. There's, there are angels that are fighting battles. There are demons that are, they're, they're out to get us. And, and there's a spiritual battle going on. There's a skirmish at least at all times for our heart and for what's going on around us. And we're kept safe at times that, and so, and I walk away from knowing that knowing that if something did happen to me, if I'm headed home today and I wrecked my truck, God allowed that mm -hmm. because he's got angels going, nope, not going to wreck the truck. <laughs> you know, I'm going to keep you not, straight. Not that you do a hundred on the way home to test it, but yeah. No, right. But, but I, I will probably go around a couple corners faster than I should, but there's something watching over me. So if there's something watching over me, but something still happens, then the guy that's in charge of the people, the, the angels, whatever it is, watching over me, if it happens, I have to accept that he allowed it to happen. And there's a purpose. So now I'm on another adventure going, I got a, a leg to get healed up or whatever, you know? Hmm. Hmm. So, um, so at the same time that Whitewater, you and I, let's put it out here. You and I don't canoe a lot of lakes or ponds. <laughs> Like we like what's Coon say? Flat waters for drinking. <laughs> and I don't I don't know if he means that you're supposed to drink the water or <laughs> right, right. Uh, but for but, us, like we're not interested unless the water's already moving. Yeah, yeah. Gonna so, add some gravity to so it. So for us, whitewater is synonymous with river, right? Like that yeah. I mean that just goes together. We don't 
you and I are both on board with them tearing down some dams around here yeah. and letting us actually run some stuff. But you've already explained very well and in a very memorable way to me the danger side and how God works for that. But you also go to rivers for the tranquility and to get alone. You go talk, you call it, talk to at the big gym, uh, the James River yeah. or wherever. I know you've had transcendent moments. You tell me about them oh, all the time. Yeah. How did that start? Because you, you had a relationship with rivers and whitewater before you met Jesus. Right. I mean, you were a whitewater guide for years. I mean, more than a decade before you met Jesus. How did that change? How did your relationship to rivers change? And then how did your relationship with Jesus change because of rivers? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think if you go back to pre-Jesus days, then the the adventure, the maybe he just wired me up that way. I I, I like the the I like getting thrown out in a class three or a class four and swimming in, you know, and 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 the I just like the what happens there, you know? After Jesus, you start reading Psalms like 104 and you start studying the life of, of, of David, you know? 104, by the way, I don't allow myself to even read that if I'm indoors. I have to go outdoors to read that. <laughs> that. It's the outdoorsman's. <laughs> and, and you read some of the other Psalms and you read his life, David's life, and how he lived in the wilderness you know john the baptist lived in the wilderness and you start realizing that i don't think all of us certainly not my wife but some of us are wired up to regenerate being out in the wilderness so when i started realizing that about myself spiritually i started to find a an avenue that God and I, a two-way street where he speaks to me and I'm able to speak to him. And there's this thing that happens out here. I call it getting my center of gravity back, back, you know, because I'll get all sideways and be in in a wrong frame of mind, wrong, you know, just feeling icky about life. And then I come out here and take a deep breath or I come out here for two or three days and swim in the water like that little kid was earlier. And all of a sudden I become, I'm intentional now about trying to become part of what Hmm. he made in the rawest fashion possible. So, Hmm. and you know, something different, something happens. I get readjusted. I have to, man. Uh, uh, did you hear the story about my first time ever on this property? No. So, for the sake of those at home, um, we are not at HB's place. We're not at my place. We are on a beautiful farm along this river and creek owned by our friends Skeeter and his wife, Rita, and Luke and his wife, Stephanie. And um, when the pandemic first hit a year and a half ago, whenever that was, um, I would come up. Remember where we used to put in down here? Uh-huh. Is that AT&T or Verizon or something down there? It's Verizon. Yeah, yeah. So there's that little driveway, and we would pull over there, yeah. put our, leave our cars there, and I'd run our shuttles and whatever. And, and by the way, if you had a nice car, they wouldn't leave a note. But if you had a John G-style car that's all beat down, yeah. they'd leave nasty grams on it. Yeah. <laughs> so. Woodpecker. Y'all yeah. hear it in the background? So I'm, I used to come up here during uh, – 
beginning of COVID, and I'd sit there with my laptop, and that's where I would process things. That's where I'd write my blog posts. Where they my bought book. this place? No, they own. That's the funny thing. I didn't know they owned this place. Like we've been going to church with them since. Yeah. I've been going for 15 years. Had no idea this was their land. So I'm sitting on the other side of the river, looking over <laughs> at the Ragland Farm. And uh, I see an SUV and I went, I think that's Luke's SUV. There's not a whole lot of people that have that one around here. I said, I went back to writing and I'm writing about what God had done with me at church that day. And a blue heron had come down the river here and was sitting there looking at me while I'm writing. I was just emotional, you know? And I see him pull out. I was like, yeah, that, that's got to be Luke and Steph. So they stop on the bridge down here. The brand new bridge now has a shoulder. And they're like, Ryan, what are you doing here? I was like, what are you doing here? Like, we own this land over here. <laughs> you didn't know. Man, that's awesome. And I said, no, I didn't know. They're like, you can come at any time and use this land. And it's kind of like what you were talking about earlier with, with Jesus. Like, he's already here. I want you to enjoy this. Like, yeah. I didn't make these rivers for nobody to enjoy them. And so, I mean, it just became a, a sweet thing i started coming up and parking on this side of the river yeah right and about what it's like to be invited to the other side of the river i mean this the side i was on is okay this side is gorgeous yeah i mean you got views of the mountain sunset here hb wait wait till you experience the sunset oh. here it's just unreal and then i had profound moments you know we're in the process of adopting an african-american daughter and they've adopted an african-american son and playing in the oh, river yeah. with him carter we yeah. were playing with him earlier today and just the what joy you know, of it and, and sharing notes about what they learned by being white parents of a black child. And man, I mean, the friendship, I've known the Raglans for 15 years, but in the last year, our friendship, I'm in the front yard playing ball with the boys and wiffle ball. We're having tacos under the tree, like a relationship I never knew because I came to escape to a river and Jesus is like, that's my river. But I let a few of my kids, you might know, own the other side of it. <laughs> and so now I come up, I, that's how we got the podcast here. I was like, hey, guys, you mind if we come record? Like, no, no, have yourself. Yeah, I think you've you've taught me that as well because I go I go to Opossum Creek a lot, which is the backside of Candler's Mountain, and I'll set my this chair, I'll set in the river. What what creek? Opossum Creek. I okay. I don't know if you know this, H. Oh boy. Believe me, I don't share everything in my life on social, which is amazing for some people to believe. But uh my birthday last year. We got that huge rain last November. Remember, it was like two or three inches in 30 hours or something like that? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And that little creek on the backside of Candler's is normally six inches deep, eight inches deep. And the banks on that thing are three feet high. So you know that at some point it gets higher, right? Like You can see where it's washed out. And it was running right near the top of that. So I paddled the backside of Candler's Mountain. No. Down. And I don't. Where'd you land? Where'd you wind up? I landed up right before you got to Camp Hideaway. There's a bridge right there. Yeah. And um, that's usually where I set my chair because it's normal. Like where we're sitting right now, it's a little bit of water, ankle deep. You can sit there. And I was roaring so fast, and my uh, I had my iPhone in my in my vest, my life jacket, because I wanted to take pictures every once in a while to prove that I actually like nobody's ever kayaked yeah, right. that. Yeah. You know, I mean this river's eight feet wide in, in sections. You know, or a creek. And uh, I lost my iPhone that day. <laughs> and I'll never remember. Like, I, it was Veterans Day last year because my birthday's the next day. And I had to go buy a new phone that day because the next day for my birthday, I got to hang out with Bob Goff. But anyway, but I go back to that river. I go up to the upper tie. I go up to the upper tie a lot. Yeah. 
I'll come up here to the Big Otter. And a lot of those places don't have cell reception. So you can just yeah. be with Jesus. You can write. And what I love is, a lot of people don't know this, but even when your phone's on airplane mode, you can give their location signal. So my wife knows where I am. Like, she doesn't have to worry, and I check in with her before I leave. But man, I did not know that was in me until you showed me that that was in me. Like, I didn't know that there was something special about the river. And I don't whitewater kayak anywhere near as much. I mean, I used to kayak every month, and I maybe once or twice a year now on the whitewater stuff. But, yeah, it was that was transformative to me to go, no, I need to, I need some Jesus time or... I need to and get I, out in the in the wild, yeah. Because because I know for me, if I try to have my quiet time at the shop, I'll get interrupted. At the house, I'll get interrupted. You know, at, at some local park in the back of the parking lot, I'll get interrupted. But if I get out, if people don't go, you know, then I don't know. Yeah, I think I mean Carter's dad had to come get him. But, I mean, yeah. there's nobody here. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I could be here forever. I think Carter could, too. He literally got hungry. <laughs> he, he was disappointed that he had to leave for us to record. Yeah, poor little guy. There's a couple of stories I want to tell. No questions but stories, but this one kind of ties into a question. So, I don't know if you remember, we did this section of the Big Otter from there down to 221, right? At that bridge down to 221. Okay. And we ran that shoot. Remember that shoot that yeah. was there? The sluice. The sluice. <laughs> And about, I don't know, a mile and a half downstream of that, you looked at me. You've been watching me paddle all day. And you're like, you're allowed to paddle with my son, Sammy, in the canoe. Sammy can ride with you. I trust you. And we've been paddling together at that point, what, six years? I don't know. I mean, it, it had been a while we've yeah. been together. And I remember that day, that was before I started journaling. But I remember coming home being like, HB, the whitewater guy, the crazy guy, all this stuff. Today, he trusted his son in my canoe. And that was just a huge, that changed my confidence on the river. Like oh, I really? took some, Good. yeah. Cause I was like, well, if HB thinks I can do this and apparently yeah. I can do, <laughs> which may not be always good advice. <laughs> well, sometimes if you think you can do it, you're more apt to be able to do that's it. That's right. <laughs> Even if maybe you can't. Yeah. Well, so. I mean, that's the same in a lot of things. I've learned that if you're hesitant, if you're trying not to get hurt, you're going to yeah. get hurt. Oh, yeah. You got to go. Gotta, I know it's counterintuitive, but it's yeah. it's true. At a point, you just you jump past leaning in, and you're in it. You just. So it. this is the question that comes out of that. You and I, our relationship has accelerated every time we've been on the river together. Every time. Whether it's the Rio Grande, whether it's here, whatever. We've seen these relational moments. I mean, I named my car after Hutch after he saved my life, right? Yeah. I've had these moments. What is it about the river or whitewater or whatever that seems to form or advance friendships? Like, why does that happen? I don't have a theory yet. <laughs> I, I do for the big whitewater because you're trusting, you implicitly have to trust other men yeah, with your life. It's no different than a foxhole. Right, right. It, 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 I mean, I'm sure that a foxhole is a heck of a lot more dangerous, but you've got the danger involved. You've got a group of people involved. You've got a group of people that have to work together to survive you know there are elements of that that but i don't know i mean you've had a chance to think about your question <laughs> i haven't uh so and, and you don't have to have an answer yeah I, it just seems to me like the guys that i've paddled with at church i have a different relationship with them at church than guys i haven't paddled with. yeah i mean yeah. it's just uh i think part of it has to be that that we get away from 
the noise and the normality of, you know, I mean, if you're at church, you're expected to be there at a certain time and then the service is going to run this way, you know, or if, if you go to dinner, it's, it's the same thing. You're, you know, there's a formality to it. There's very little formality out here. And so you get the freedom. Especially on this river. I've seen break. you naked on this river. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm not bragging. Uh, that's, yeah. It's just, I'm just commenting on the formality. That, yeah. That's yeah. a good working All theory. that goes out the window. So. Yeah, you don't care what your hair looks like? You yeah. Don't care, yeah. It's, it's a lot like, to me, if you forced somebody to do this, they would call it work. Hmm. Paddling would, you know, if you said you have to go from this confluence to 221, you have to do it. If they weren't paying attention to what hmm. awesomeness is around them, they would consider it work. Well, when you work with somebody, you get to know them better too. So in a little bit of a way, you're working with the guys. If you're, if you're paddling and camping and, and you know, then, uh, you get to know people that way, you know? So I think on some of your trips, I mean, you've done much longer canoe trips than I have. It's kind of like the summer camp thing too, where like you're in the wilderness roughing it for four or five days, seven days, some of your trips, it just walls come down. People yeah. reveal things. Yeah. I've been on backpacking trips that are the same thing. You know, you've been in the wilderness for somebody for five days and all of a yeah. sudden they tell you that their marriage is really struggling and whatever else, you know, or you go, man, I, I didn't know. Like yeah. we've been friends for all this time. You didn't tell me, but out here, whatever it is, they, nobody's listening or some, I don't. Maybe once uh, being out here can be tough. And, and so hmm. when people go get past the top, you know, somebody slept in a tent next to yours and they didn't sleep last night and they get up and, and gut it out and still got a good attitude the next day. There's a respect there. And so I'm more apt to be open with that person because I respect them more. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Maybe that's part of it. Because it's not just dudes either. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. We've made friends with our buddies' wives. Yeah. It takes, (laughs) we had to say this, it takes some pretty brave women to go with our group. Yeah. (laughs) There's been times, I remember that one trip we did, Nan was the only woman in the group. And I think that's happened multiple times. Oh, yeah. She's the only. Yeah. That's one tough young people I think rem- Woody Torrance is tough. No, Nan Torrance is tough. I still remember that one time. The first time I did the Rio Grande with you guys, and she popped that question out asking us, she's like, So I have this woman who doesn't want to have sex with her husband. What would you guys do? I was like, This is a group of all these guys, and we're going to have this conversation right now. But I mean, that speaks to the point where, yeah. I mean, Everything comes up on the river. I mean, you just... Oh, yeah. Fear. I mean, you even slept in a tent on the river that one time I heard. Yeah. <laughs> I slept in a tent a couple of weeks ago. I slept in a hammock one night in the, in the tent. No way. You're changing, HP. Yeah. Yeah. The night I heard it was on the Rio Grande, and you guys were flashing the flashlight up on the cliffs, oh, and you saw some eyes going back at you, and you're like, yeah, yeah I'm in the tent tonight. Uh, that's, that's one of the first times I slept in a tent. <laughs> uh, yeah. Especially... I, it was, uh, I think I slept in Larissa's tent. You did. Uh, that's probably the only Because it was his flashlight. He had that, like, yeah. ridiculous military-grade yeah. flashlight or whatever. And, and we saw the, the, the 
mountain lions up there, man. <laughs> That's so, scary. I'm going to get to the Rio Grande a little bit, but before we get to that, this question is anything but the Rio Grande. Uh, so you've paddled some epic white water and nothing short of some iconic locations. If you had to just pick one or two of them for your trophy case, you're like, that. I'm either super proud that I did that or that one marked me or changed me more than any river like or any section of river or any trip like what stands out to you like your hall of fame of what you've paddled i think the 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 upper galley when you get to pillow rock you you've gone through a couple a, a class five and a class three and you've gotten wet and and you everything's moving and everything you know, it's not like the first thing that happens to you. But when you get to Pillow Rock, it's like it, you're there. You've arrived. You've gotten, you, you've, I don't know. There's that, a sound that Pillow Rock makes, too. Yeah, oh, yeah. You know it's yeah. coming. It's And and it's just the sound of it and, and, and the look of it and you, to watch the water. And the way you have the the way we run it when Jimmy's paddling the thing, you, you you go. There's something counterintuitive there, you know. <laughs> this ain't right. And, and I love that fact, one time we the first time we did that, and he go Jimmy's our guide. I'm gonna tell a story about Jimmy here in a little bit, but and he goes, guys, I've never done this. I've seen it done. Do you guys want to try it? And it, is that when we all shifted back one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, your goal then on that particular trip was to go up the rock as far as you could. In That's the middle of a class five rapid. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then you're going to stand that boat up, and the boat's going to likely flip. I mean, the I mean, you guys have flipped it as many times it. as you haven't. Yeah, right. And so... I don't know. That's a great uh, section that, of river right there, man. That is, I, I, I think that's a highlight. I, I fell out of a raft at the top of Double Z on, uh, in the New River Gorge. Okay. And Double Z is, in my mind, not the funnest rapid on the new, on the new, but it's the most intense. Okay. And this is before Jesus' days, and I, I just—it's just a good story. So. Yeah, tell. <laughs> anyway, uh, so there's a, a rock called Eagle Rock because it looks like an eagle beak. Yep. And and you you take the front of your boat and you just sneak around that, and that's kind of your starting point. You and then you let the water drift you around behind it over the river right. I bumped the rock while I was standing on the back of the raft. So the leverage shifted the boat. Which means you were guiding. Which means... If you're uh, yeah, standing in the guide. back of the boat, yeah, you're yeah. guiding. I was the guide. And uh, and so the leverage of the bounce threw me out. And I had a decision to make. I said, I can get back in this boat and hope that I'm in the right place in the river or I can yell at these people until I drown. I can yell at these people and get them through this rapid. So I start swimming upstream as hard as I can because I knew that, that the water is gonna move faster than a raft. So, and I start screaming at them. 
and I'm barking orders left and right and this and that and ran the whole of double Z, which it's that's a long it's, rapid. It's two Z's, you know, back to back, and got to the other end. <laughs> and the people were turning around going, Where's our guide? And I was I was just then the water was I'd swum upstream, swam upstream hard enough that the water pulled me up against the, the raft and I was able to get up on it. And Robin Carroll yeah. was so angry. No way. <laughs> thought I did it on purpose. Oh, <laughs> that was your boss at the time. But I, I back on the left, forward on the right, the whole, you know, everybody forward, everybody, all that, you know. I was able to watch the boat and tell where it needed to go by swimming. So I swam a class five and guided the, the boat. And that was, that was. That's a, intense, dude. That was a crazy day. Robin was mad good. He thought I did it on purpose. As my little buddy mentioned earlier, this podcast is sponsored by Biplane Productions, a company that builds direct mail and social media campaigns for adventurers in the auction industry. If you're not an auctioneer, thanks for listening to one of my favorite tax deductions. If you are an auctioneer, find out why more than 200 auction companies have trusted me to advertise almost 9,000 auctions across 49 states and seven foreign countries, winning more than 250 industry awards in the process. If you'd like my help, click the big orange button that says Get Ryan's Help at the top of the page at www.biplaneproductions.com. So the story about Jimmy, the first time I ever had Jimmy as a guide, Jimmy's one of the best whitewater guides I've ever oh met. Oh, my goodness. I mean, just incredible. And we told Jimmy, we said... Um, uh, there was some disposable income in that raft, if you remember who was in that raft. They're like, Jimmy, we're going to tip you really well if you scare us. But if you kill us, you don't get anything. So figure out where that <laughs> line is. And that day, we set a company record. We had 31 ejections. Yeah. And we yeah. completely flipped the raft four, four yeah. times. And, and all day, he's like, hey, guys, I've seen this. I've never tried it, but you guys seem like the crew to try this. Yeah. And we're like, yeah. We're the crew. He put us in the juicer backwards. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you guys got to look up. If you guys want to listen at home, the Gauley River, there's a YouTube compilation called Gauley Carnage or Pillow Rock Carnage. And yeah. you can just watch rafts yeah. get annihilated on there. And by the way, I don't, since he's interviewing me, I do not watch those because they <laughs> they are so spooky for me yeah to watch oh they bring back flashbacks for sure yeah. so i i figure i can be carnage and maybe somebody can film it but i'm not gonna watch somebody else's deal uh-uh it's scary it gives me nightmares so well it gave me nightmares that's why you came to my room and yeah. told me so uh i go to the thai river a lot that's my favorite river where we live i love the big otter here um you've got you go to the james law you go to different rivers big otter yeah. Um, but the river, it doesn't make sense to somebody in Virginia that we go to a lot is the Rio Grande. Yeah, it doesn't uh, make sense. You've done it at least twice as many times as I have, maybe three times as many times you've done trips on the Rio Grande. Why Why the Rio Grande? Why do we keep going back there? I mean, we're flying across the country. You Multiple times you've driven the canoes yeah, all driven the way the from here. all the way down there. Uh, I think 
well, the sense of adventure because literally at times you're paddling the, the Rio Grande, which ain't much bigger than the Big Otter. No. I mean, really. Yeah, especially uh, in it spots. It is right here, but, but as you get down past where the Little Otter comes into the Big, it's about the same water volume yeah. where we paddle it up, up near Big Bend National Park. But uh, part of the time, you, you're literally, you've got your right cheek. When you're floating down the river, you've got your right cheek in Mexico and your left cheek in Texas. Yeah. And so you're on this international border. I, I, there's just something that's cool about that. So, and uh, well, what he used it today, Isaiah 43, 19. God said, I'm the kind of God who will make water flow through a desert. Hmm. And I, I think that's, that's, and I know he, he says the same thing in Job. Uh, hmm. You've got a river going through the Chihuahua Desert. And I mean, that's amazing. It's just amazing to me that you can sit in a boat and look at these cactus instead of sycamore trees you know it, it i don't know and the fact i love a canyon yes yeah, and love a canyon and the rio grande goes through some beautiful oh my gosh just awesome the kias and santa elena and you go on down to the lower canyons and oh so did you go on a lower canyon trip with us i did not know the last one we about froze to death that's what i heard which at that point I was okay that I didn't go. Yeah. But you guys always do that New Year's. And up until a few years ago, I wasn't able to go New Year's. My family Christmas was always yeah. New Year's weekend. So now I'm just starting to be able to go again. It was like a five-year wow. gap between when I was able to go with you guys. That's the other thing. You're running it in the wintertime. Yeah. So you're in a desert, but it's not It's not a hot desert at that point. I mean, yeah, right. usually December, January. Oh, yeah. We started this calendar. You remember how we started this calendar year? Jumping in. <laughs> Jumping in the Rio Grande, baby. Yeah. Uh, in my underwear. Next in to public. Naked. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Freezing that, our tails off. That was so amazing. But so, that's your that's your New Year's tradition. Yeah. You're always in a river on New Year's Day. Yeah. What's the coldest New Year's Day you've ever had to do that? James River, no doubt. Oh, 7th really? Street, you go to the bottom of 7th Street, Griffin Pipe. That was that one. I've done it by myself and done it with other people. There's something about doing it with other people that maybe it's body heat and, and somehow you pick it up. I don't know. It seems so much more doable. easier to do with somebody else. When you do it by yourself, man. So is, two Christmases is, ago, oh, uh, for the first time ever, we had my family Christmas in Virginia, not up in Maryland. And uh, someone in our church, someone at your campus of our church, gave us their lake house for the weekend. Very generous. And so I was like, you know, it can't be that bad. It's Virginia. Let's let's do a dock run Christmas morning. <laughs> so I was wearing Ooh, picture of this. Baby. There are pictures of this somewhere on the internet, I'm sure. I uh, to try to endear myself to my daughter and my sisters and the I I bought a Grinch head to toe costume. <laughs> you did. I did I did. And I ran off the dock wearing that thing. <laughs> Which then immediately fills with water. But it took my breath away. It's not the coldest water I've been in. I've done some glacier bears, yeah. you know, where you jump in or I've whatever. Seen them. But uh my gosh, that was cold. But you don't let on that it's that cold because there's some sort of joy 
and seeing other people learn how cold it is. Oh, by the end, of, by the end of like a 15 minute period, we gotten like six members of my family to really? jump in. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was it was fantastic. Utterly cold, but yeah, utterly fantastic. Again, um, you, 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 the adrenaline, the the I don't know. If I'm good about that. I know the theology. Jesus is with us all the time. You and I talk about it all the time. We come down the river. We talk to him. We feel his presence. We feel him answer us. Technically, he's in the boat with us. But if Jesus were physically in a boat with you, where would you want to paddle with him? Oh, wow. Anywhere. Because he can take you anywhere in the world. Uh, oh, I'd go to the lower canyons of the Rio Grande because... It's at least a six-day trip, seven-day trip, and you can't get out. So he'd be stuck with me for that long. So he can't do the upper Big Otter and go, oh, that was a good day. Thanks so much, H. No, uh, I did stuck. not think that's where we were going with that. Uh, uh, a couple more questions, H. So I've had this today. I had this come up today. We both know guys, whether they know Jesus or not, and they say, the river's my church. The lake's my church. My fishing boat's my church. And we get it more than probably anybody in our church. We get yeah, yeah. how you get close to church. What What's your answer to someone like that about why they should actually go and be a part of, like, your Tuesday night men's group, my Wednesday night men's group, or uh, an official church yeah. service? or what? What is it that we can't get on the river with Jesus that we need? And, and it... Doesn't have to be formal, but some sort of congregation or or gathering. I think I would have trouble calling being on the river, being around the river, hiking, whatever it is, church in the same way that that I would say those folks are using it as an excuse right, to right. not do what whatever it is they think God wants them to do because they're scared of it. Uh, so um, this is a recharge station. This is... This being the river. Yeah. This is not... It's necessary, but in the end, it's not what I'm intended to do. I'm intended to reach other people. I'm intended to live out the kingdom. I need just like a car needs gas or a human needs food, I need to be refueled to do that. So that's what I'm doing. So if, if somebody's saying this is church, well, you're missing what church is. You know, church is God's kingdom tied together with people. Happen. And it's really interesting to me, and I'm, I mean, I've got a big fat question mark on the horizon. I don't have, I, I can't see it yet. But I think pandemic changed the church. I think the pandemic redefined what the church is. Mm -hmm. I think uh, the pandemic was a test <laughs> for, uh, quote, using, using the word church here, for churches to see what they're about. I think some churches failed that. Uh, what do you mean by that? Well, I think that that uh, some people continued to be the church in that uh, 
I'll use myself an exa- as an sure. example yeah, yeah. because I, I'd, I'd rather use somebody else. But um, I got the COVID. I, I got the, the virus. You got it pretty good, too. So Yeah, and, and I was sick as a dog. But the once I recovered from it, anybody else that got it, I'm calling them up. Hey, I'm bringing you groceries. Hey, you need your, your yard or whatever. Whatever it is I can do because they've got it and they're sick. And so uh, that's the church, hmm. you know? Uh, it's hard to do that on the river when you're not connected with people. Well, yeah, yeah, answering that question. But uh, I think the church ceased to be the church because everybody crept backward. One, they were scared. And two, they were excused by a lot of the government rules or they listen to the government rules and got scared. I don't know, but the result's the same. We mm-hmm. quit being the church. We quit being who God called us to be. We quit meeting corporately together. So now my Tuesday night guys, I'm so proud of them. We never quit. I was scared to death Tuesday night. I would be sitting around a campfire behind my house with my guys, a bunch of pickup trucks on the street. <laughs> and I'm going, same cops going to show up. You know, cops going to come walking across that, that carport and say, what are y'all boys doing? And, and I'm going to say, right here it says, right here, that we are not to cease meeting together. And we and we haven't and we won't. We did. So, we handled that a little bit differently. We we just broke up into smaller groups because here in Virginia, it you were always allowed to have groups of up to 10. Yeah. So we took a group of 30 guys and broke it into four groups to be safe. There you go. What was interesting for us is, uh, and I don't know if this is true of your group too, I've heard stories of spiritual growth in your group through the pandemic that have encouraged yeah. me. Um, our group, we actually gained new people. We lost people who were making excuses. Yeah, yeah. Who were doing it so that their wives saw them going to small group or whatever the deal was. We lost those guys. But we gained guys who during the pandemic realized they weren't self-sufficient, they're lonely, whatever the thing was. Work got harder. Uh, they had to be a dad in ways they'd never been a dad, whatever it yeah. was. Um, we actually gained a lot of new people in these smaller groups. And we're navigating now because we got we got so accustomed now to meeting in groups of four or five. And we had a cookout here. And the governor just changed the laws. And we had a cookout. And just, I don't know, more than 10 or whatever there. All the groups together. And we're like, this is really cool. But, man. That's four or five guys around yeah. a fire for two hours, three hours, yeah. four hours, some nights. Uh, that's the only hall pass night I get from my wife is yeah. dude group night. She's like, yeah, I, I know where you are, and yeah. I can see where you're around Nate's fire again. I got you. But, but yeah, I think there was an excuse. I'm, I agree with you. I think people were like, oh, now I don't have to. And where we live, yeah. church is something you a lot of people do for to be seen to be known that they go to church. So know. they can tell their parents that they went to church or whatever dumb reason. I don't uh, know if I told you this. when. So when the pandemic first hit, um, our church took several weeks off just to figure things out. Like it was online only and trying to yeah. figure out what can we do. And it stayed online only for a while. And then they, Virginia, we worked some things with spacing, whatever else. Uh, I still showed up at church, the building on Sundays. I didn't. I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I didn't announce it because I just did it by myself yeah. at first, and I would walk the campus 
it's a loop. If you put all the parking lots together, it's a loop. Yeah. And I would just prayer walk, and then I'd watch the service on the laptop at the building, actually out in the parking lot, because I'm on the parking team. Yeah. So up where the old tree used to be where we pray, I'd take the laptop up there and we watch. And then one Sunday, our mutual friend Jonathan Formo, he showed up. <laughs> and so we didn't surprise me in the least. Right. So then we would prayer walk together yeah. and watch the service together. And then one Sunday it was like four people. So we actually were still, and according to Virginia law, we were outside, we were six feet apart, you know, whatever. We, we placed yeah. the chair so we could watch the laptop. Uh, it caused us to be creative and to redefine what church is. I, I think that was a, I think it's a net positive. It sifted out the yeah. goers. It was interesting to me. I, don't, I, I can't speak for right now, but I know for the first year of the pandemic, the giving of our church actually increased or stayed the same month to month compared to pre-COVID yeah. numbers. And the attendance was, I mean, we went from a church of 3,000 to a church of 150 or whatever it was, 300. And it's because the same people who were showing up in the pandemic were the same people who were giving, right? Like we didn't lose the, the non-givers. Yeah. Like the people, that verse that, or Jesus said, your money follows, or your heart follows your money. Yeah. So yeah. put your money in the kingdom and your heart will right. follow, yeah. you know? That's what happened for our church during COVID was the people who were financially invested in our church were like, no, I'm going to figure out a way to do church. I'm going to have it in my house. I'm going to have it outside. Yeah. I'm going to do whatever I can do. My little cheesy B&B construction site became a perfect spot because we're sitting on, on, you know, work benches or, or, or whatever it was, uh, bringing our camp chairs. And we met that my group that's that's one of the places that we would go if it's a little cold or you know whatever but i love the service outside at bedford that was that was fun to me but anyway but i think that the church was as we know it the formality of it was changed over the past year i think it was a test I think some of us failed the test, some of us passed it. Whatever that video of Tampa Underground, I think the church is going to start looking more like that. I don't know. That's the question on the horizon. Big, huge question mark. What's it going to look like? What role am I playing in it? You know, I don't know. But yeah, for those listening who haven't heard, the Tampa Underground is a a church network of what two hundred and some micro churches. Yeah. Probably. And they're not all what we would consider church yeah, no. things. They're all different things. Some of them are a bike shop. Yeah. <laughs> They're building bikes for homeless people. And homeless people are building bikes for homeless people. In the name of Jesus, hello. It's Maybe that's a better definition of church than what we know. Uh, you I know? would I, be open to that for sure. I, and, and so I'm curious what this whole thing is going to look like. Me being in a sportswear business... You know, big question mark. I'm praying a lot. Hmm. What's God? What's God want? And can He? Well, what He said this morning that that the, the old men will dream dreams and the young men will see visions. So I'm hoping to see a vision of what it looks like and not have a dream about what. Because <laughs> that means like. you're old. That means I'm old. But um, but yeah, I think there's something too, and I don't know if this plays into the river aspect of. So many of our interactions with our friends are around a river. I mean, we bring guys who don't know what they're doing on a river, put yeah. them in the front of the boat and run them. But I've, the other thing I found during the pandemic is 
some people respond to the challenge of things being harder. So one of the ways that we had to stay compliant for, gosh, like 10 months of the COVID stuff here in Virginia was you had to meet outside. And so we made, we made a conscientious call that we were going to remain an outdoor group through the winter. And uh, we you all did with your dude group. Yeah. 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 Uh, we had one FaceTime group. We have some people with medical situations and stuff like that. We got a guy, cancer treatments and we got, we had several of that. So we, we kept a FaceTime group and people could voluntarily, if they had an iPhone, they could join that part. But every other group met around a fire. And if it was cold, we built a bigger fire. Yeah. I mean, there were nights they were saying over at Daniel's place that they had a flame 12 foot tall to keep warm. <laughs> but we met outside. Yeah. And those guys to a man will tell you that some, something called to each other. Like they feel closer than ever. Yeah. Uh, they. I won't share anything I'm not supposed to here publicly, but one of the guys had a major breakthrough. You keep leaning in, you keep leaning in discomfort. Yeah. Again, it makes it easier to say an uncomfortable thing in front of other people, but. Okay, last question, H. This is a question I ask everybody on every podcast uh, episode. Oh What's still out there in whitewater rivers, that type of adventure, that's at the top of the list? Like, someday I'm going to do that, no matter what it takes me to do. Well, back in the 80s, Back when I was younger than Ryan George, <laughs> uh, I was a raft guy down the New in the Gully, and I was on the lottery for the Colorado, mm. for the the Grand Canyon, twenty one day trip. Back wow. then, they were just introducing motors, but but our trip would have been a non motored trip, so. Uh, I think, it was, I think it's Glen Canyon Dam that you start. That sounds right. And uh, 21 days, you you paddle your you, you you row your raft across the the last lake. Well, not Lake Powell, whatever it is. Uh, that's where you take out, not at the beginning of the lake, where it makes sense. But anyway, uh, 21 day trip. And back then, the way they lined up because they had it all organized as a group and if we would have gotten to go we went as a group but i was on the poo raft the s raft by myself the 16 foot raft with three aluminum containers because anything that goes in to the grand canyon has to come out of the grand canyon so your food went in and it came out as other things in these aluminum things so they would have been strapped down tight but i would have had the opportunity to paddle the Grand Canyon, the biggest, baddest whitewater in America by myself in a 16 foot center mount raft. And I've always thought maybe, just maybe, maybe, just maybe I, I still get to do that. So there's no age limit on it. There's no age limit on it. And, <laughs> and I don't know how it works. Now, I, I think there's still a lottery and the lottery usually goes to these big companies that have, you know, and then they market that to rich people and rich people are put on a motorized boat and they don't paddle and they don't, you know, but the rich people buy stuff and they don't use it. So my thinking is if I showed up with a raft set up, ready to go, and I'm sitting there next to the river, 
and one of the couples don't show up for their, you know, three-day trip, I could slip my boat down in there, and they let me go. You do it with an oar rig? Yeah. Yeah, center mount oar rig. So So no way I'd do it in a... For those that... You can't carry enough gear in a kayak. Oh, no. And you can't do it in an open... Although, you sent me that story a couple years ago about... Wasn't it the Grand Canyon they were doing in an open boat canoe? Crazy people. I mean, we know somebody who has. Lynn? She's paddled the whole of the Uh, open boat canoe. She did the Grand Canyon in a canoe with inflation. Yeah. But she got the lottery, like you're saying, though. But, I mean, at that point, a canoe with that much inflation is a kayak, in my mind. Yeah, right, yeah. I mean, yeah. But yeah, I mean, you have to have a support raft of some sort. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just to explain for those listening, because a lot of people listening came in because they wanted the ice climbing guy or the surf surfing guy or the wing walking woman or whatever um, aren't familiar with some of these terms. What is an oar rig versus a paddle raft? Because when we do whitewater, normally it's not with an oar rig. So. Right, right. So uh, a paddle raft, everybody's got a paddle. The the guy usually has a bigger paddle. But everybody's got a paddle, and it's more of a team experience. Uh, an oar rig, you can set the thing up with oars in the back and let the people paddle so they get to be part of the team. But the oars are still, you know, the most powerful leverage. So you got two of, one guide has two oars yeah, instead of one. On the back. Or you can put the oars pretty close to the center of the boat and be able to turn the boat very quickly and... Uh, move the boat up or down the river you know as one person without yeah. any yeah so yeah, yeah. Uh, and if you want to see what this looks like get on the nrs mail mailing list yeah there you go the nrs it stands for northwest river supplies but they go by nrs and uh i tell crystal that's my whitewater porn yeah, everybody's covered up yeah. and half of them are guys at least but the pictures of where those people are doing oh man and the oh. the oar rig guys especially man they yeah. always show them in some big drop in like Idaho yeah. or Colorado yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Well, HB, I can't thank you enough for loving me, for teaching me, for mentoring me, for comforting me over the past 15 years. Thank you for the profound impact you've had on my life. And thanks for being on the Everyday Adventures podcast. You're welcome, Ron George. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. Wow, you're like a professional podcast listener. If you like the interview you just heard, somebody else probably would too. Share the love by helping this podcast climb the rankings and be found by more people. Head over to iTunes and leave five stars and a review. As a thank you, I'll share my favorite reviews on Instagram. Speaking of Instagram, you can follow the show there at Everyday Adventures Podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at Ryplane. That's R-Y-P-L-A-N-E. Now go out there and chase your own adventure, and I'll meet you back here for our next episode.